This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man. And today we're bringing on a gal who lives in Alaska. Probably needs no introduction. Heather Kelly, welcome to Elk Shape. How are you? I'm good. I didn't know you had a snazzy little show name. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're serious over here. And Yeah, this is super serious. My wife accuses <laughs> me of being too serious, and I, uh, I can't deny it. She's probably right, but uh, I take elk hunting pretty serious. Don't get to do it all the time. It comes and goes, but uh, the reason why we're bringing you on today is we were talking a few minutes ago, and the game has changed. Elk hunting is no longer, uh, you know, an old pastime. There's some new up-and-coming blood, and they're treating it almost like a sport. I mean, training year-round and taking their performance and the fuel they put in their bodies. And so we're going to tap your resource because you have a ton of knowledge to drop. But before we get all excited about that stuff, tell us a little about Heather and what she's all about. Sure. So... Uh, I live in Bird Creek, Alaska, which is home sweet home. So uh, my boyfriend Brad and I actually live in the house that I was born and raised in. So definitely still really close to my roots. Uh, I was raised with really, really, really good food. So my mom's definitely a big time organic foodie. So I feel like I pulled some really good cards being raised by a mom who genuinely cared and, you know, would buy 50 pound pag- bags of peas rather than baby food and make all her own stuff. And then I also had a dad who started the first microbrewery up here in Alaska, um, in Anchorage. And so there was kind of two pieces of the puzzle for me, which was really good quality food and entrepreneurship. And little did I know that I would find myself in my mid-20s, starting a line of dehydrated backpacking food called Heather's Choice. And it kind of dovetailed those two things together. We're focused on putting good quality food in people's pack. uh, And it's my first time running a manufacturing business, which is a whole lot of work. (laughs) 
I bet. So what's your day-to-day look like running this business, living in Alaska? You know, I would say it's super random. I've definitely had a tough time finding a routine, which I bet you, the fitness man, would say routines come first, (laughs) especially when you're trying to stay in shape and stay healthy. Um, But literally, my day-to-day is super different. So depending on the time of year, we might be in total darkness. So in the wintertime up here in Anchorage, it definitely is long, dark, cold winters. But in the summertime, we have nearly 24 hours of daylight. So it's just go, go gadget for three months straight while the getting is good. Um, I'm typically running my team. So doing a lot of delegating and keeping people really busy. So we have a full-time operations manager. We have a marketing director. We have a CFO, an accountant, and a bookkeeper, and then production staff. So I'm kind of the the yes woman in the company, just running around, making sure that everybody has the resources that they need to do their job. And on a day like today, um, which are my favorite days, I actually get to stay home and work on recipe development. So that's what I'd really like to be doing is just developing new products, coming up with new recipes, and then going out in the field and taste testing everything. Um, but I kind of wear a lot of hats as the the boss lady, which I'm sure you understand. <laughs> That's so cool. I love it. I mean, I wouldn't want it any other way. It's uh, I love being busy. I like burning the candle at both ends, and it's very rewarding. I guess that's the the driver for me is the there's some light in the tunnel. Not very often, but when there is, it's pretty damn rewarding working for yourself. And all the fruits of your labor go towards your dream and not anyone else's. Mm-hmm. And I love that. So, well, we're talking business. What are some of the, I always encourage listeners to work for themselves um, or get a really cool job where they have a lot of flexibility to go hunting. Cause I think elk hunting requires, any hunting really requires time in the field. Uh, unless you're just, you know, amazing shot and know right where to go. It's just, that's why we do it. It's the challenge. And Sometimes that challenge requires a lot of time, autonomy. So, like I say, work for yourself so you can make your own schedule and uh, do a lot extra work to to get your ducks in a row so you can be gone. What does it look like for you as far as, like, the learning curve of owning your own business? What are some of the mistakes you've made early on? Oh, my gosh, all of them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So So I've had two different businesses. My first one was called Open Nutrition, and I did nutrition coaching for... CrossFit athletes primarily, and a lot of it was focused on eating for performance, but then also how to cultivate a healthy relationship with food. And with that business, I had initially started working with people one-on-one, and so I actually had the overhead of an office and was pretty limited to the people that I could meet with because it was just in the Fort Collins and Denver area. And then I very quickly moved the business to being completely remote. So I was able to do my coaching from anywhere in the world, but I was also able to coach anybody in the world. So I'd have clients in Dubai or New Zealand or Alaska or Denver. And that was pretty cool for me to realize early on that if you are really effective with your messaging and you offer a really good service, you can create a ton of lifestyle freedom. And so I had exactly what you were talking about, the freedom to front load all of my work and then peace out for a month and go raft the Grand Canyon or go 
screw off in Alaska or whatever it was that I wanted to do. And so that complete control of my schedule is pretty awesome. Where I think right now with Heather's Choice, I've kind of shifted it where the front load work is actually years long. Yeah. <laughs> so I think there's going to be like five to eight years that I will have dedicated to Heather's Choice, knowing that by the time I'm 35, I will have either created something that I can then step away from and it is still self-sustaining and it operates without me. Um, otherwise it can turn into a 30 year grind and that's definitely not what I'm looking for. I'm legitimately trying to do everything I can right now and work super hard, uh, for a good chunk of time so that come 35 years old, I can say, you know what, I'm ready to buy an around the world ticket and go do that and just kind of open my eyes to something totally different. Or, you know what, the business is doing really well. And now we have the financial flexibility to start a second leg of the business that's maybe something totally different and uh, really engaging for me and a bit more creative. So as far as uh, mistakes go, I feel like the biggest mistake that people have is they don't have an exit plan or they don't have kind of a long-term vision for what type of lifestyle they really want to create for themselves. Hopefully that makes sense. Definitely. So you just started out working for yourself. So obviously you have a background in some sort of dietetics or nutrition. What's that look like and what's your athletic background as well? Sure. So when I was about 18, I had taken my first job as a raft guide, which was a super glorious <laughs> gig, but it definitely introduced me to the outdoors. And, you know, it, it was very influential for me. And I actually had a client one day in my boat who said, you know, you should really go out for the women's rowing team when you get to college. And I didn't know what crew was, and I'd never been introduced to the sport. But when I got to Western Washington University in Bellingham, I found out when the crew team met and I showed up and there was one girl that was just like tall and lean and fit. And she was the team captain. And I looked at her and I was like, wow, like I want to be like her. Like you would see her running Hills all the time or like always at the gym. And she was just stunning. And so I showed up for the first practice at five o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. And I was immediately hooked because it's such a cool experience to get into a boat and you have no idea when you first start that your feet are actually attached to the boat. And so all that moves is your seat back and forth and then your arms move the oar. And it's just, it was really novel for me. And then I had also never really worked that hard as an athlete. Um, I'd grown up snowboarding and rock climbing and doing stuff like that, but never done any sort of organized sport really. And so I ended up rowing crew for four years and our team was highly competitive. We won our third, fourth, fifth, and sixth national championship while I was on the team. Wow. And that, yeah, it was, it was a shit ton of work. I think I'm still kind of like, uh, recovering from having to get up at four fifteen every day for four years. But then during that time, I realized that I wanted to be like a really high caliber athlete. I wanted to sit in the varsity eight boat. And so for me as a young gal, I really started to focus in on my nutrition and to be totally honest, it became very obsessive and very unhealthy. And, uh, I found myself in some pretty bad positions with my weight and just 
struggled immensely in my relationship with food. So I really spent four years, it feels like, learning everything I could about athletics and then everything I could about nutrition and performance nutrition. So I ended up graduating with a degree in evolutionary nutrition, which focuses primarily on the idea that we as hunter-gatherers evolved to eat a diet that closely resembles the food that we can either hunt or forage, which I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir right now. (laughs) Um, But that was really the turning point for me and something that really helped me heal in my relationship with food was finding the paleolithic diet and starting to really focus on eating good quality, healthy food rather than just focusing on calorie counting and ended up turning that into kind of my life's work at this point is helping people to either develop a healthy relationship with food or heal a terrible relationship with food and to focus on eating the most nutritious quality foods that you can on a daily basis. That is awesome. I think food is something that really didn't make a lot of sense to me. I, you know, I started out as a trainer and I would give nutrition advice and I, and I looking back, I mean, I started out like 18, 19 as a trainer while I was going to get my degrees in exercise science. And it was so like number based calories, macronutrients, grams, serving sizes, food journals and all that stuff. And everything got turned on its head in 2007 when I heard someone Uh, say to me that food is a drug food is medicine and Mm -hmm. when I thought of it as that way I was like okay so yeah like if you make yourself for breakfast scrambled eggs you don't finish your eggs and go god that's so good I'm gonna go crack six more eggs and make more you know what I mean (laughs) whereas you go get some sort of like bullshit like dessert or something even like something highly food engineered highly processed highly man-made dessert you have one slice of that and you're jonesing for the next like you're going back for more and more and more and more and it's crazy how if we can just put the right foods in our body we're satiated we have we feel good our mood is improved, our efforts are improved, and I just think food is a drug, and it's all about the right dosage and the right quality and quantities, and uh, that's, I don't know. I don't want to talk too much about this stuff because I we can go down the rabbit hole, but I, I'm nerd, and I love it. I love talking about nutrition and performance. They go hand in hand. So let's, let's apply that to, obviously, elk hunting. Now, you live in Alaska. You get to hunt some really cool stuff, but I think majority of my audience is elk hunters. You've spent a ton of time in the backcountry. What is the deal with your product? And when we met in person, I told you I've already ate enough mountain houses in my lifetime that I'm probably going to have some adverse health effects down the road. (laughs) And when I saw your stuff, I was sold instantly. I'm like, okay. And uh, you told me you had a CrossFit background, and then I knew you were a rower. I was like, okay, she's got the dietetic background. She's going to understand me and what I'm looking for. So let's talk about that evolution a little bit as far as – because a lot of guys listening and gals pack the mountain houses, and it might be time to evolve. Let's get them the why. Yeah, for sure. So after – I graduated from college. I fully committed myself to the primal diet or the paleo diet and just said, this is what I'm doing. I want to be grain free. I want to be dairy free. I want to avoid peanuts. And 
like I definitely, this is very common. I'm kind of an extreme person. So I swung the pendulum to this end of the spectrum of like, I won't eat anything that's not paleo. And so then I had a 30 day rafting trip that I was going on and realized it was really difficult to go to my local REI and buy the food that I was going to need for that 30 day expedition that didn't have gluten, soy, dairy, peanuts, or, uh, corn or any of the foods that I was trying to avoid. And that's at what point I started dehydrating my own food and taking things like Japanese sweet potatoes and making my own instant mashed potatoes. And from there, obviously that turned into an obsession for me and eventually a business. But for anybody who is currently eating foods that you can get off the shelf, like a mountain house or a freeze dried meal, typically what you're going to see is that it's primarily carbohydrate based. So you're going to be getting anywhere from 60 to a hundred grams of carbohydrates per serving, which I think is kind of astronomical when you think about the serving being only half the bag. So if you eat the whole bag, you get 200 grams of carbohydrates. That's a lot of sugar for your body to process in one serving. So that's one thing that you're going to run into is just the, the macronutrient balance that may not really be there depending on the meal. And then secondarily, if you look at the protein that's in there, it could be beef, chicken, or pork. But I will guarantee you that those animals were all raised in CFOs, like confined animal feedlots, and that it is not going to be a good, healthy source of protein. Like, just going to go ahead and make that statement that yeah. the anybody who hunts elk understands why that meat is so good. It's lean. It's um, coming from the wild. It's eating its natural diet. The meat that you're getting from a freeze-dried meal, probably 90% of the time, is not going to be that. Uh, second, let's see. I also think that the big problem people are going to have is the amount of added preservatives for those freeze-dried meals. Mm-hmm. And that's that's part of the way that they get them to have a 25 or 30-year shelf life is by adding additional preservatives. And so for me, there was just too many things that I didn't want to be eating. And it was just like, no, I'm not going to buy this. So I think that for people who are elk hunting and who genuinely care about the quality of food that they eat on a day-to-day basis, it only makes sense that you would want to eat high quality food while you're out in the field as well. Cause it's like when you were talking about elk hunters being athletes, I imagine that you basically spend all your training for maybe your one 10 to 15 day trip. And that to me is kind of comparable for somebody who spends the entire year training for a marathon. Like they suddenly wouldn't go out and run the marathon and eat the crappiest food that they could get their hands on during the race. Exactly. And obviously mountain houses, I mean, anything will taste good enough if you've been hunting hard enough, long enough. But I am, uh, I haven't tried your product yet, so I'm pretty excited to get my hands on some, except for the, the macaroons or the packaroons, which did you trademark that name? That's pretty cool. We did trademark that. name. <laughs> that is yeah, a really good name. Went ahead. And, yeah. I'm excited about the packaroons because that was one of the first things that I ever made with my dehydrator. And I made hundreds of them as Christmas gifts for my family, probably back in, 2010 was fresh out of college and now it's hilarious that we make hundreds of packaroons every day and they just fly off the shelf it's so fun 
That's pretty cool. It's delicious. It's dense, very nutrient dense. There's not a lot of like, it's just throw it down the hatch and go, which, which is totally conducive to my style of running gun elk hunting. And as I'm always on the go and there's no time to sit around and take a nap or start a fire and have deep thoughts. It's, I want to go kill an elk. <laughs> I have a finite number of days in my life to do this and I don't want to squander a second. And I always feel like I have the rest of the year to catch up on my sleep and, and recover. And I make a significant transformation every September. I literally, I usually go into September the fittest I've been all year, been training and eating. I'm jacked. And then I come out of September and I look like I have been, I don't know, on the most ridiculous diet ever. I look like I need a hamburger. I'm weak. I can <laughs> My back squat is dropped off by the hundreds of pounds. It's But I got elk on the ground and I got meat in the freezer and I love that process. So what's the typical macronutrient ratio for one of your meal replacements, like your freeze-dried meals or dinners? And what are we looking, looking at as far as calories and, and sodium content compared to a mountain house? Yeah, that's a great question. So when I'm developing meals, I want to make sure that I give people good quality complex carbs. So you will see anywhere from like 40 to 55 or so grams of carbohydrates in the entire bag. So we're not going to exceed 100 grams of carbs per serving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those carbohydrates are typically coming from yams or dehydrated potatoes or we'll use white rice and things like our Ethiopian Dorawat. So once again, like getting people some good quality complex carbohydrates. And then my big emphasis, this is true for my own diet at home or for the meals that we make with Heather's Choice, is I want to get people 20 to 40 grams of protein per serving. Mm -hmm. Because you know, just as well as I do, if you sit down to a meal and you have an elk steak and Brussels sprouts and sweet potatoes, you'll eat that meal. And like you already said, you're not going to jump up and say like, I need to do that all over again. Yeah. (laughs) You basically eat it once and you say, that was awesome. It's perfect. It's great. I'm good. We're done here. Like it's not this endless hunger. And I see that with people all the time, whether it's in the field or it's at home, that if they're not getting enough good quality animal protein, they live in constant hunger. So that's a really big emphasis that I have with the business is how do we help people make sure they're getting enough good quality protein while they're out there? Because it's really going to be satiating and it's going to help them maintain the muscle mass that, as you just said, seems to disappear (laughs) when you're out there in the field. So all your protein sources, sorry to interrupt, are from an animal source. For our dinner meals, yeah. So we have awesome. wild-caught salmon. We use grass-fed bison. Uh, we just recently moved our whole production here to Anchorage, which was a really big step in the right direction for us. And so now we're actively seeking out Alaskan grass-fed beef, and we're looking at using some silver salmon, and then also getting some pasture-raised chicken or maybe even reindeer and yak meat, which would be freaking awesome <laughs> yes I'm not gonna find that in a mountain house friends that's pretty cool and so the carb sources like yams i mean that's one of the i, I eat yams almost every day it's low glycemic uh it releases it doesn't spike insulin levels steady energy that's a super what i would call clean source of carbohydrates what's your total calorie count 
typically for a meal? Sure. It's typically 450 to 600 calories per meal. And the, the ceiling that we hit is that you can only put so much fat in these meals when you're dehydrating. Otherwise the fats can actually go rancid. So like when we make our smoked sockeye salmon chowder, we actually add powdered coconut milk to help boost the calories in the meal because it has 198 calories per ounce. But that powdered form of good quality fats will actually be shelf stable compared to if I made a salmon chowder with like heavy cream and butter, right. <laughs> it would never dehydrate and it would just be a disaster. So we definitely use some things like our beloved coconut milk powder uh, or almond flour and things like that that do have a really good high calorie uh, and quality fat content. Um, but it already comes in a dry form when we incorporate it into the recipe. Okay, that's pretty cool. So with um, with your guys's pamphlet here, you guys offer. I'm looking at it right now. I just pulled it out. Okay, so you guys have breakfast options, dinner options, and then obviously the packaroons, which I have tried and they are delish. Those are fairly dense. What's the calories in the packaroons? It's about 160 to 180 calories per cookie, and you get two cookies per pack. Okay. And then for breakfast options, what do you have? Right now, we just have our buckwheat breakfast. And once again, this was inspired from my desire to avoid things like oats or cream of wheat or anything like that. Because I was finding that for my backcountry trips, I would take a packet of instant oatmeal and a packet of peanut butter and probably some whey protein. And I would eat that. And then at 30 minutes to an hour later, I was rifling through the top of my pack looking for more snacks. And so the buckwheat breakfast is buckwheat, hemp, chia seeds, coconut milk, coconut, uh, shredded coconut, dried fruit and spices. And it's almost like an oatmeal. And there's about 500 calories per four ounce serving. Mm -hmm. And it's just dense <laughs> so it's you, really good stuff do you hunt in alaska for all the cool stuff i mean what's your hunting schedule like you know i'm brand new to it so my boyfriend brad came along i met him like three days after i started heather's choice so he's been along for the ride for almost four years now and all of the hunting that i've done has been with him and we've gone for sick of blacktail together and caribou mountain goats and then we're actually leaving here in a couple of days for black bear out of cordova so i'm actually uh, gonna spend the day making jerky for that trip and this year i hope that we'll get black bear i hope that we'll go and get more deer and the caribou meat that we had was some of the best we've ever eaten so would like to do that all over again well i'm jealous and <laughs> I am. I've hunted Alaska a few times. I've been fortunate enough to go up there on some do-it-yourself type hunts. And I I have an affinity for bears. So, like, somewhere down the line, I want to hunt some sort of coastal or inland grizz. But you guys have mountain coats available to you, which I have killed one of those. I drew a tag. and So that's kind of off my list. But I do have an affinity for bears. And I think every hunter dreams of an Alaskan Yukon moose because they're the biggest. And... You can really find some remote country, but it's the adventure of Alaska. Do you um, do you ever hunt the lower forty-eight? 
No, I haven't. I would be really intrigued to come do a trip, though. That would be pretty freaking fun. Uh, most of the trips that I've been uh, going on have been focused around pack rafting and rafting, but it would be great to do a hunting trip down there. That would be cool. So I do think that living in Alaska is a pretty slick advantage. You're going to probably stack up quite a few animals as a rookie and uh, <laughs> have that learning curve smashed really quick. Black bears are awesome, and especially spring bears. I like eating spring bears. Um, so that'll be cool. And uh, I do, gosh, I was thinking about your rowing capacity, and I was like, well, I spend a lot of time on an indoor rower, like an ergometer concept too, yeah. and I know you probably have as well. What is a quick little off the off the top indoor rowing workout that you would do when you were off season or indoor training back in your competitive days? Oh my gosh! I <laughs> this is where if I was your athlete training at your gym, if there was rowing on the workout, I would not show up. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> bad. Yeah, I hate it. It's so painful. And people are like, Oh, no, it's fine. I'm like, No, if you push yourself hard on an erg, like nothing hurts worse than that. Anything. Oh, God, it's so bad. Uh, So I distinctly remember in college, we had every Wednesday, we would have to submit three 2000 meter erg times, which as you know, 2000 meters, that probably takes you sub eight minutes. If you're really fast, it's closer to six minutes, but it's like the worst six minutes of your life. So we would have to submit three erg times and our weight because it was a weighted erg score, which is kind of what fed into um, my funky relationship with food. Cause I thought, okay, the lighter I am, then the better my weighted erg score will be. And I later found out that being 10 pounds heavier, I actually could pull harder. And that was more in my favor. Um, So that's a nasty workout. And then I distinctly remember one workout we had to do and it was a minute on minute off sprints for an hour. Oh my God. I know. I was like, who, whose idea was this? This is awful. (laughs) And the the darn rower can, uh, you can hit a button and record all your splits. So I'm sure your coach asked for them, which sucks because you can't sandbag. Uh, I'm short. And so I've never liked the rower because length does matter on a rower. And if you go to a collegiate row team, nobody's short. Not that I've ever seen. Um, Just the coxswain. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right. Who wants to be that? So I remember I was trying to break seven minutes on the 2K. And I hate to admit this because people think I'm just like some crazy fit guy. But I have never, this hurts to say, I have never broke seven minutes on a 2K row. Someday, maybe seven or eight years ago, I was like, all I'm doing today is a 2K row. And I am going to have somebody next to me yelling at me and I'm going to hold like, I think I wanted to hold a 145 split the whole time. And I just wanted to come in at 659 and dude, I rode a 703 and I I know, I know. (laughs) And you know, when you set it up to where it shows you the entire time your projected finish and unfortunately Early on, and to me, early on is like two minutes. You're already in the pain cave. You are in the pain cave. And I could see that I had five minutes left to hold this pace, and I was going to get 659. That's just a mind F. And I, uh, I, had a, I, had, I ended up having a whole crowd yelling at me, 
And I, yeah, when I got done, I just barely, like I had to, I fell out of the seat. My feet were still strapped in. Somebody had to unstrap them. And dude, I didn't get off the ground forever. I I couldn't even drive. I, I remember I had to like call my wife to have her pick me up, no joke, from the gym and just get a ride home. I was, I was messed up. So no, whoever said rowing is easy, you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? It's all yeah. about your effort and you can almost kill yourself on an indoor rower. Yeah, absolutely. Just to put a thorn in your side, my best time in college on the ERG was a 641. Oh, but, so I know exactly wow. what you're talking about. Like that 140, 142 split, holding that for you know nearly seven minutes is hell on earth. We have, <laughs> in 10 years of running a CrossFit gym, I've always owned rowers, obviously. I think we have 11. I've had one gal break seven minutes, and she's going to the uh, the cross. She's probably going to go to the CrossFit Games this year. She's headed to the regional, West Coast regional, in a couple of weeks. And she's, like, literally almost as strong as me on every lift. But she's, like, the one exception. So to row a 641, you would have – you'd probably have our gym record out of men and women with that time. That's pretty incredible, Heather. That's that's Ugh. that's something to wonder. It was brutal. Yeah. But I was also – that's basically what I did for four years was row boats. <laughs> so <laughs> if you focus on it for, you know, 40 hours a week, you can do pretty well. <laughs> no doubt. Well, as uh, – We've talked about your product a little bit. We've talked about hunting. We've talked a little about entrepreneurship. I kind of want to wrap things up and go over the stuff that I get really excited about, which uh, I am a disciplined dude. In fact, probably too much. It's a strength slash weakness, very rigid, but discipline wins. And so what are some of the disciplines in your life when it comes to business or self-development that you're really proud of and that you could share with us? Sure. Uh, this is honestly not, I think that once again, like I kind of swing from one end of the pendulum to the other. So in college I was very disciplined with rowing. And, uh, when I first started doing CrossFit, I was super disciplined with it. And now like, I feel like I'm kind of on the other end of the pendulum of just like not bitter, but definitely going through like a very rebellious stage with fitness and exercise and Um, I think that that's kind of interesting for the people who are either like upholders or obligers, or if you're a rebel like me, like you have to be careful when you're (laughs) swinging from one end of the pendulum to the other. Um, For disciplines that I am proud of, I am like a very aggressive journaler. So I will journal religiously. And that's been really helpful for me in the process of building a business because when it gets really hard and you're like, dude, there's no way this is going to work. Like, I can't see how we are going to get over this mountain. It's been really helpful for me to take the time to just sit with myself and be able to process my thoughts on paper. So I'm a huge advocate for spending some quiet time by yourself and journaling. Um, other than that, I am very good about getting sleep. So I'm definitely, uh, I protect my sleep as though it's one of my top three priorities, which is very true for me. Um, I don't really sacrifice that. And I'm sure that there are people out there that you're like, you know, yeah, I don't know when they sleep. And I'm definitely like eight to 10 hours a night. And that allows me to, to handle even the most challenging things day to day 
with a clear head and be able to just kind of keep my wits about me. Cause I'm sure, you know, pretty well from your experiences, once you sacrifice your sleep, everything kind of starts to fall out the bottom. How do you make yourself go to bed on time when you have so many things that you'd like to accomplish? Like, do you have a, do you have kind of like a wind down process, shut all electronics off? I mean, what do you do? Yeah. So we have the added benefit of it gets dark, it gets dark early. So that helps. You know, it's been, this is kind of funny, but our dog, we have a Czech German shepherd named Django and he must have like the most finely tuned internal clock of anybody I've ever met in my life. Cause nine 30 every night, like that little guy is on his bed and it's bedtime, like no matter what's going on. And honestly, like that's been kind of helpful to have this like exterior, uh, cue for myself of like, man, if Django's going to bed, it must be bedtime. And so that's been helpful. And then we have a, a habit that we've had for probably three or four years now that's been really consistent is we drink that natural calm magnesium. Do you guys drink that stuff in your gym? We don't, but I take something similar in a different product. Um, but yes. Yeah. So I, I take magnesium before bed and that's really helpful. I think that's definitely a cue of okay, I have magnesium, it's time to go to bed. And then we do use that Flux or the, the different programs for your screen so that it actually changes the tone of your screen. That way, if you are on your phone, you're on your laptop or your iPad, it doesn't have like the bright blue light shining in your face. It's actually more of a warm glow. I think that that helps a lot. And then brush and floss every night <laughs> always happens so it's not a overly complicated uh routine but it's enough of a routine that we get to bed at a reasonable hour six nights a week and i think that makes a really really big difference in having some longevity with the business and actually being effective when you are at work that's pretty cool. Well, we uh, we enjoyed having you on, man. You are awesome, and I think we would be we would totally be friends if we live closer. But I am going to put you on the spot. So this guy Brad, like you've been dating him for four years, and uh, things are getting like are things getting pretty serious, or like you need to put him through a few more hunting seasons to see if he's uh, can cut the mustard. <laughs> no, Brad's the real deal. He uh, he takes care of the chickens every morning and takes care of the dog and brings me coffee in bed, so I'm pretty spoiled. <laughs> nice work, Bradley. Take notes, young man listening. Got to take care. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, Heather, where, where can people learn more about your products and make an informed decision on converting from the typical mountain house diet to something a little more sustainable for longevity? Where can we learn more about that and find you on the socials? Yeah, so people can find us at heatherschoice.com. I definitely encourage you to spend some time on the website. We have some really great resources on our journal, and you can read trip reports from our brand ambassadors, and we try to tell stories about life in Alaska. Um, you can see all of our products there as well. And then you'll find us on social media at Heather's Choice. And definitely check out hashtag Heather's Choice to see what our customers are up to. Because that's probably what we're most proud of is people like yourself getting out there for 15 days straight and then telling us all about their adventures. That's cool. Well, I know you're busy, little CEO of a pretty badass niche business. And uh, I'm really glad I got to meet you in Boise and 
um, I'm sure we'll reconnect and maybe come back on. And uh, especially after I get a chance to kind of put some of your products to work. Uh, I got a spring bear hunt coming up at the end of the month. I'm looking forward to, and um, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, thank you so much, Dan. Well, good luck on your hunt. Um, Hope you get a big bear and a really delicious bear. Yeah, you're going to have to share some recipes with me. (laughs) Well, the crock pot is definitely your friend, and I I would definitely cook up, bring a little whatever. You're a chef. Bring a little something to maybe have some fresh bear backstrap off the fire. Um, that's just something that you got to do. And, uh, and, you know, don't just turn your bear into summer sausage. I actually feel like it's, it's, it's definitely a really good crock pot item for bigger meals. And, uh, we, we like bear, so call us weird, but we eat what we kill. So. Yep. Absolutely. I'll let you know how it goes. Awesome. Heather. We'll have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, y'all. There you have it. That was Heather from Heather's choice. Just got to let you guys know, Hey, there's no like sponsorship deal between me and them. I asked them to come on the podcast because, look, man, Heather is a collegiate rower, a dietitian. She has a CrossFit background. She lives in Alaska, and she makes super legit high-density nutritional food for we as bow hunters or elk hunters. And this is what Elk Shape's all about is how can you fuel your body and train your body and train your mind for better performance. So I just thought it was a good idea to get her on here and pick her brain. I learned along with you guys about her, and she's pretty badass. I love that she's a little CEO, entrepreneur. And, dude, she's a cool chick, man. She's just getting into hunting, and I think her products are pretty legit. I definitely am going to buy some more to test out this summer in the scouting season, but I need to quit eating Mountain Houses. Way too much sodium. I don't need 200 grams of carbs at night when I go to bed. I know their protein sources aren't that great. And really, truly, when you look at her ingredients compared to others, I think uh, it's pretty obvious. And I don't know all her price points yet, but I'm not going to do a little more research. But I do know this. It's pretty legit. And you guys know that I am all about finding blue-collar people that are hardworking and they're the real deal and they're genuine and they're not putting up a front. That's what we're all about. That's who we're trying to talk to. So thanks for listening. If you want to support this podcast, check out Elk Shape website, www.elkshape.com. Check out the store. Got some stuff in there. And then the YouTube channel is Elk Shape. I just put up pretty much basic raw stuff of what's going on in my world, and including hunting. And uh, if you're interested to see what equipment I use and what partners I aligned with by choice, you can check that on the website as well. But really, if you got any feedback for me, if you got questions and answers, I feel like we need to do another Q&A real soon. I need to tell you guys all about my bear hunt that happened. And I uh, got a lot of exciting news about elk season 2018. So hit me up on elkshape at gmail.com and you guys can send me any questions and we'll start tackling those. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your day.